Stand by, America. This is Paris B. Eichler, a.k.a. The Reb. Thank you for joining me today. A Reb, well, a rebel against a life without meaning, values, or purpose. And I guess uh, that means that it's a rebel for a good cause, not like Korach and his cause, right? There was a rebel without a good cause, or a rebel without a cause, as it were, that would make a difference in, in serving Hashem better. But when we rebel against those things that attempt to corrupt us, pull us away from who we are as uh, members of Kral Yisrael, that in fact, that in fact is worth, worth being a, a rebel for. So I guess you could say I'm a rebel in that sense, not being pulled to the right or the left or the wrong directions. Remember the, uh, the charge of the light brigade? Cannons to the right of me, cannons to the left, volleyed and thunder. So I look at it as, you know, distractions to the right of me, weapons of mass destruction to the left, Volleyed and thundered, but onward, onward, rode the 600 mitzvahs, because that's what we have between us and the rest of the world, keeping us as Am Kodesh. That is who we are. And we don't claim to be better than everybody else. We just claim to have a different mission. And that that is what makes us distinct and the Am Segula to serve a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Now, everybody can be a good guy or a good woman, no matter what religion you are, but we have a special mission, a special task, to be able to accomplish that who we are. Nobody can be the best you. Only you can be that. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be somebody that has a gazillion dollars. You don't have to be the biggest brain surgeon in the world. You don't have to be the biggest real estate mogul. You don't have to own a gazillion businesses. You could be a, and I, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, you could mean, it could mean that you're a housewife, getting things ready for the family looking after the kids, getting them going. Maybe you're CEO of, CEO of a clothing company also, but you don't have to be. You're just doing your part to be the best that you can. You might have a simple job. You might have no job, but you get up in the morning and you daven, and you ask Hashem to make you the best that you possibly can be. And you give it your all, and you try. That, that indeed is success, and that's what makes you great. And that is what makes us great as Am Yisrael. And what we're here to do is to make ourselves better, to grow for greatness, as it were, and to realize that things are only, only there to make us grow. When Hashem gives us a test, that test is not for His sake. It's for our sake. The ability to rise above and to counter and to do the best we can. I want to thank everybody for uh, calling in and sending in your stuff last week. I know I've been saying this, but I actually have the envelopes made out with your uh, Pizza Gelt prizes on their way soon, so please let me know when you do get that, those who called in or emailed in, and we want to thank you for that, for uh, joining us. And thank you for joining me right here on J. Root, the station that listens to you, tuned into you, plugged into you, plugged into reality. Paradise B, a.k.a. the Reb, the Reb with the cause, licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullest. And uh, my coaching practice, Hashem, as you know, an extension of what we do here on the radio, is going to be open shortly with the Cutters Burgers Help. I said we don't do a lot, but we'll uh, be able to give you access to hopefully break through the barriers that are that that might be holding you back whether in life or in business. And again, I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything and through the um through the experience and training which I hope that I'll be able to bring to bear to that. We're going to try and walk you through things that are that are bothering you, that are on your mind that are holding you back from being the best possible you. And, of course, anything that I tell you are things which I put into practice in my own life and will hopefully be, be able to give examples of how they've helped me um, deal with certain challenges. And if you know my background, you know that there has certainly been 
certainly have been some very um, interesting paths along the way. I have a one-man show presentation called Acting Jewish, in which I describe it. I can tell you more about that at another time. But, you know, having having done the route of somebody who, uh, well, you know, I don't really like to talk about it too much to people that are from uh, the observant community because I don't think it, it deserves any more warrant or claim than uh, than somebody who's sitting in base Medjugorje and striking away and never walked outside of the the Daladamas of uh, of Halacha and never was exp- not not exposed but never had had reason to go off that path. I don't think you know touting the life of somebody who was not on that path is uh, something that, that we need to do. For Unzacherim, people maybe who are still outside the loop might need to know about it because it might bring them back in. I only mention those things. Because in some ways it might give you chiza, might give you strength, might give you encouragement in terms of knowing certain things that person went through. Like in the days where I was producing television commercials, there were a lot of very uh, interesting challenges. I mean, now I'm doing it in a, in a kosher type of way, but uh, that world presents a lot, a lot of challenges in terms of distractions, in terms of the end justifying the means. I'll, g- I'll give you one example. I'll give you one example. We were producing a a program about a medical breakthrough with a certain pharmaceutical that was being produced in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, as Jackie Mason used to say, he went to Puerto Rico just to visit his hubcaps. Uh, already, you know, <laughs> could tell where 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 that where that was going. But we were producing this documentary, or really a. Uh, a propaganda film that would look like a documentary about how these pharmaceuticals were being produced in a small town in Puerto Rico. So I was sent down there as the line producer, and I was asked to scout around, take a look at the plant, see uh, how logistically it would work to uh, get the camera crew ready to prime the director on what you know he needed to look for in the best shots. And one of the questions that I was asked by the people of the corporate office that was producing this particular drug, which was from a very well-known, still well-known, and uh, prominent pharmaceutical company, they asked me a question like, uh, well, what do the workers look like? Now, I didn't quite know what they meant. What do you mean, what do the workers look like? They look like people. What do you think they look like? No, I mean, you know, what, what do they look like? I mean, you know, what color are they? What nationality? I said, well, this is... Uh, this is Puerto Rico, and we're on an island called Carolinas, so they are Puerto Rican natives. They look distinctly Puerto Rican. Spanish, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, they don't, they, don't, they don't look like Mexicans, they look like Puerto Ricans, but definitely Latino. So the guy says, hmm, okay, uh, let me get back to you. Get back to me about what? What are you talking about? So he called me back and said, look, it's a little bit of a problem. The problem is, is that if people see that the product is being produced by um, by Latinos, they may think that it's inferior. Of course, nobody would think that today because if you come to where I live in Lakewood, everything is done by Latinos, whether they're here legally or illegally. But in any case, these were the people at the plant that this company had picked. That's where they were manufacturing the product. But they were concerned that the people there were going to somehow suggest a negative image of how they wanted their product to be portrayed. So I don't know what to say. I mean, I just told them, you know, what, what they look like. But uh, 
knowing that we were there and all set up and ready to shoot, it seemed like a pity to let all that go go to waste. And I didn't know that what they were going to come with. So I just said, tongue-in-cheek, I said, well, hey, why don't you have everybody wear masks? And I was thinking, you know, like, let everybody look like the Lone Ranger or, you know, perm masks, you know, make a guy look like uh, like Hopalong Cassidy or Buffalo Bill or whoever the, you know, or whoever the president was at the time. So the guy pauses, and he's like the vice president in charge of, of creative and PR. He says, you know, that's a great idea. Let me get back to you. Boom. He gets off the phone, obviously speaks with his corporate cohorts, calls me back and says, we thought the idea was fantastic. Have everybody wear masks. Get them all surgical masks. And uh, that way you really won't be able to you know what, what, what they really look like. And not only that, but it's an even better idea because it'll look, because they're wearing surgical masks, it'll look like we have greater quality control. And therefore, everybody will think not only is it not produced by people that are kind of like inferior in their work habits, but it'll be even better because it'll show great control, great care, um, even so much as the workers while the manufacturing these pills are wearing surgical masks. And that's the way we shot it. And that uh, documentary, that docu, uh, educational documentary, went on with all the workers wearing pharmaceutical masks. Um, I wanted to take it a step further and have the on-camera spokesperson doing <laughs> doing it as well, but uh, that that wasn't necessary. But that's an example of how you know would I do the same thing today? I mean, isn't that a little bit deceptive? I don't know. I mean, I would certainly have to. I would certainly have the differences today. I would ask a Shiloh about that. We have a, a concept known as Sedik Sedik Tirdov. The end does not justify the means. Because I'll tell us that when you have a noble end, you have to have a noble means to accomplish it. And, uh, you know, there are forms that are written on what it means to, to bend the truth or to, uh, to say something which may not be true. For example, the, the categorical imperative of Immanuel Kant. Remember him? He was Immanuel Kud's brother. Just kidding. You remember Immanuel Kant who said that um, there's a moral, uh, the moral categorical imperative, meaning like this. Let's say somebody is chasing someone, and they're pursuing him, and the pursuer is a ne'er-do-well uh, from a, let's say, from a foreign country chasing uh, somebody who's, in, in, who's, who's coming to your town, and you know that this person is, a, is completely innocent, and they're seeking refuge, and they come into your, t- into your house and say, please, please, rescue me, save me. So you hide the person in, in, in your attic. I mean, let, let's, let's go further back, right, or uh, to make it even to up the ante on this, let's say it was a time where there were Gentiles who were saving Jews, right? And somebody would come in and say, do you have anybody, any, any Jews here in your attic? And they would say, no, we don't. Now, according to Immanuel Kant, that would be an outright right lie. And since lying is what he would call a categorical imperative, that you can't lie, therefore he would say, oh, yes, we do have some Jews hiding in our attic. Well, we wouldn't call that telling the truth. We would call that murder. And we would say, Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdov, the end does not justify the means. We are not Machiavelli. The end does not justify the means. You have a noble end, you have to have a noble means to get there. Now, is that lying? It's, it, is, that, is that lying? Well, you didn't tell the facts of the matter, but on the other hand, there is truth. The truth is that we don't murder. So it's, it's, it's pretty complex, but you have to know 
when something is outright lying and when the categorical, categorical imperative, as Ken would, would call it, would not be, not be something that would come into play. You, you know what I'm talking about? There are times, let's say, for Shalom bias, you know, that you just have to say something which may not be um, factually correct, but will be truthful in the fact that it will accomplish Shalom bias. That is not a heter, it's not a leeway, it's not an allowance to lie at will and just do things to cover one's tracks. No. It's obviously a complex, halakhic issue. But outright deception, for no reason other than to deceive a person and for, for one's own gain, we know that that's something which the Torah does not permit. Midvar Sheker Tirchak. any rate, these are the things which I'm talking about uh, as far as when I relate to certain things that were part of, uh, you know, my, my past and certainly influenced my present and, uh, you know, how I got here. But that's a whole other story. At any rate, if you agree with me on that, give me a call at 718-683-5858, or if you have an instance of where you were in a situation like that, where you had to bend the truth a little bit to actually get to the real truth, or would like to discuss an issue at hand on that, call me at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Parrots B, a.k.a. The Reb, The Reb with a cause, and the cause is you. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullest. You know, some people think that when they have setbacks in life, it's, that's it. That's it. They are done. But that is not true. And I want to tell you there's a terrific book, which has been, um, it was published a number of years ago. It's called Success, Bringing Out the Best in Yourself and Others. I really would like to see... Uh, if I could contact the author, I, I hope he's still around, Rabbi Moshe Gens. He wrote Make Me, Don't Break Me, and uh, this fantastic book called Success. It's just phenomenal in terms of the advice and um, and questions which he raises that a person can ask ask himself. And he quotes um, the Paleoids who says, there's no person in the world who doesn't make a mistake. And, and there's a, a letter that Rabbi... Uh, I have a copy of it. I don't have it in front of me, but I have an excerpt from it, which he quotes. He tells a student who writes to him, Rebbe, I've fallen. I feel badly. I made mistakes. And Rebbe Hutner is all tells him, you know, if he'd written me that everything is going great, I would tell you it's a good letter. But now that he'd written me that you've fallen, that you fell, and you stumbled, it's a great letter. And he says, you will certainly stumble, and you will fall in several areas. We're all going to fall. A sonic falls seven times and gets up. And yes, you are a tzaddik or a tzaddikus. You, because you are trying to do the best you can. You're a tzaddik in your own right. Not in your own mind, but in your own right. You know, falling and failing is simply a fact of life. Over some, over, you know, which, you know, we don't really have control over. There are things we can try to do to prevent it, but there are things that just get in our way that we stumble. And Hashem wants us to pass that test. We do have control over the way that we respond to failure. As Winston Churchill said, failure is just failing the next time without any loss of enthusiasm. And he says success is failing that way. Success is failing after you failed the first time without any loss of enthusiasm. So falling and failing, in fact, is a fact of life. And we do have control of the way we respond to what that failure might be. And it's important because the way we respond to those things which we may consider to be failures sets a path for continued failure or renewed success. Kama vakama, many, many, many times. 
We've seen great, great people who failed and started again, who didn't succeed at something and started again. And, uh, I mean, you could look to the secular world, like Thomas Edison, who said uh, all his failures were only steps toward a success. Or you could look toward the, um, the great Kedoli Torah, who all had stumbling blocks in their way. All along the way, great people never let it stand in the way. They just kept smiling, kept going. Rib Scheinberg, himself would say, you know, many times when he was growing up, there were things that would be obstacles in his way. He uh, he enjoyed uh, you know baseball, and uh, that for him was was a, was a huge distraction. Um, not that a kid shouldn't like baseball, but in his later years, he wished that he would have had those moments to to dedicate to Torah. So for him, on his level, he looked at that as a as a setback, but he didn't let it stand in his way. You have to remember. The altitude that you have, and this is not, it sounds like a platitude, maybe it is, but it's a platitude to elevate your attitude, your altitude. Your altitude is determined by your attitude. And failure itself is an attitude, it's not an event. And people that are really progressive and with it, they view failure in a positive way, way that we're talking about. And they're going to come out ahead because of it. And even in the face of challenges and setbacks, those people, People like you and I that we're talking about, we want to be, are able to maintain a proactive, positive mindset. And sometimes the positive attitude comes easily. Other times they make a conscious effort to adopt one. I'm not talking about the guy who said he did have a positive attitude. He was positive that he felt lousy. No, that's not a positive attitude. Look, let, let's take a look at, uh, at a lady, uh, for example, in a case of this lady. Um, and... Rabbi Gans brings it down. I think it's it's appropriate. Well, let's let's take a look at it and tell me what you think about this. Uh, let's just call her. Uh, let's call her Judy, okay? And she purchased a, a used car from a dealer who impressed her as honest. Guy had a you know a uh, nice suit on. Oh, and yes, you can count on me, right? The whole raid. You know, a typical guy that you think is just as honest as the day is long. Of course, they might have been as short as it is and some of the places where the sun rises and sets within a matter of minutes. But at any rate, she brought the car home, and she showed it to her friends, and she discovered that she paid $1,000 too much. I actually had something like this happen once. Bought the car, thought we had it checked out. One little thing that they didn't check out, boom, within a week, all of it fell to pieces, and, of course, they wouldn't refund the money. Uh, that was a lesson that was, that was learned in a difficult way, but the lesson was learned, and we went on to get... You know, we didn't say, oh, I'm never getting into the car again. That's it. And we certainly didn't buy a car from that guy again. But it didn't prevent us from going into looking into, you know, further used cars. So she discovered that, guess what? She overpaid by a thousand buckaroodies. She also found out that the dealer had a reputation for being a swindler. Well, good morning. Uh, you can imagine she didn't feel too well. I don't know if she was married, but you can imagine that her husband uh, wasn't, wasn't going to be too happy about it. And not only that, but she became depressed over the loss of the money. And then she, she became plagued with guilt, right, because she felt it was her fault for not asking other people about the dealer's reputation before making the purchase. That's well and good. Maybe she should have done that. But now the tension and anxiety built, and now she lost her appetite. She couldn't sleep at night, and finally after several weeks she stopped dwelling on the incident, and then she began to return to normalcy. But it ate away at her for those weeks. Now, many people... You know, they kind of react to the mistakes the same way. After realizing that uh, you made a mistake, they go into depression. 
and they feel guilty, or they beat themselves up for the error. But that's not the way we're supposed to respond. There's a positive way to deal with a mistake. Uh, let's, let's look at that for a second, okay? Let's say Judy's natural reaction was to worry and become depressed. Now, she could have made a conscious decision to react with a positive attitude. What could she have said? She could have said, you know, I made a mistake. And, you know, I really should have found out about the dealer's reputation. Okay, I learned my lesson. You know what? The next time I'm going to do research before spending my hard-earned money. And I'm not going to get upset about it because this incident is going to save me from losing money in the future. Now, that's positive feedback. That's positive talk that you're giving yourself. And it's true that it makes a difference. Why? You didn't tell yourself a lie. You told yourself the truth. It's a matter of attitude, my friends. And like all attitudes, it's in the mind. And it's not so much what failure does to people as what people do with the events which they look at, which they perceive as failure. So events by themselves really don't have that much meaning in and of themselves. What's really important, really, really important, is to not attach wrong meaning to it. And, and that means that failure is a function of how we deal with these events and not how events deal with the person. And with all attitudes like that, as with all attitudes, we have the ability to control our outlook on how we look at it. And uh, I want down the line to be able to look at some positive ways to view failure and mistakes. Um, now, I'd like you to share some of that with me. Did you ever have a situation, or are you, are you in one right now, that you look at as being dismal and a failure, and it could be turned around to something positive. So two things. One, if you were ever in a situation like that and you maintained a positive attitude, how that made a difference, or if you did something that you were depressed about, how would you look at it now that you could make the situation better? Or, or are, you in, are you in a situation now that you look upon as a failure or a setback that if you only looked at it in a positive way, would make all the difference in the world. And maybe we can walk through how we can look like, look at it in a in a positive way. Now, I'm not saying there aren't things in life that that are so serious and hurtful and painful that they can just be, you know, made away with. They have to be dealt with. But there are ways to deal with virtually anything that can give us a positive attitude. I mean, I once was once in a position where... Um, there was an ethical question involved in a particular job, and I had to come forth and make a statement, and it cost me, the, it cost me my job. And I was really, really um, distressed by it because it was a job that I built equity into, uh, it was a good salary, and um, there were a lot of reasons to feel badly about it. And then one day the carpet just got pulled out from under it. And I spoke to a Rav, who I was very close to, and he said, you know, they don't give tests like this to small people. Now, first of all, that made me feel great. It made me feel that I was bigger than that. In addition to that, there was uh, there were other things which he said, which just brought me through it. And you know, I started thinking: if Hashem brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. My daughter always tells me that. Ta, if Hashem brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. Now, I remember once giving a, a sheer on why bad things happen to good people. You know, a common a common theme that is talked about in. Uh, through Chazal and through the Gemara, and it's a common theme in, in life in general. And I remember there was a fellow there who was sitting on the couch in the living room we were giving the class, and he really looked depressed. He looked out of it, and, you know, I would say a, 
an anecdote which had some humor to it, and I would see a smile kind of flicker across his face. Now, what I didn't know was this person was a trained health professional, a very high-ranking trained health professional who was going through a clinical depression. I didn't know that until years later when we met, and he told me that the remarks that I made about having a positive attitude and taking a brighter attitude really helped him through. It did things that even his therapists weren't able to do. And I realized then, if you say the right thing at the right time, it can make a difference. But all that is dependent on our attitude. Our attitude determines our altitude. So give me a call, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Failure setbacks that you've been through and how you might have had a different attitude or how you could have a different attitude now, how it helped you by having a positive attitude. I'm sure you've got something you must have been through like that. Or something that you're going to write through and talk it through. If you don't want to leave, you give your name to remain anonymous. You can certainly do that, but uh, you can just give us a first name. Give me a call at 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and I will send you a copy of my uh, soon-to-be-released Bezos of the Shem, All for the Boss for Kids, All for the Boss for Kids, Young Readers Edition, my audio version of it, which uh, I hope is going to be on sale in bookstores everywhere soon. I want you to start asking around for it. Do you, you know, uh, do you know your book, uh, ask your bookseller if, if they've got it in yet or do they know anything about it, or they can contact me, E-I-C-H-L-E-R, media at gmail.com. But just for calling in now, right, first uh, five callers that come in and, uh, and have something to say, what we're talking about now or anything else on your mind, setbacks, failures, what you went through, how you overcame them, through a positive attitude, what you're going through now, and how a positive attitude might just turn the thing around to make you feel good about it and walk through it in a, in a way that you'll see daylight even before the end of the tunnel. 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, The Reb with the Cause, and The Cause with you. Come on, it's a beautiful day. Let's do something great together. Let's grow for greatness right here with me. Parents B, the Reb, the Reb with the cause and the cause with you. Licensed by the State of Awareness to live life to its fullest. We'll be back with more. Stay tuned right here on the station that listens to you.
And that was one of the gloomiest days in the history of England. If somebody's line was, there will always be in England, they weren't too sure about it then. And while England was nursing its wounds, Winston Churchill delivered one of his greatest speeches. He spoke about the defeat, but he didn't treat it as a permanent condition. Oh, we've lost, that's it, surrender, goodbye, cheerio. No. He, he boldly made this point, his point, proclaiming, we shall not flag nor fail. We shall go on to the end. I don't know if that's exactly what he said. It's the way I, hey, you can probably listen to it. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength near. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall never surrender. Rousing words by Sir Winston. And even as England sustained daily air raids, sending its citizens to shelters, wondering if they would survive the day, Churchill's encouraging words lived on. They moved people. And the people followed his lead and endured the air raids. They refurbished their military supplies and persisted with courage and determination until, obviously, with a cottage borough who was held, not by their own might, right, but this was something that Hashem gave them the, um, the stamina to do. Hashem, Hashem gives strength to a person. But they, they mustered their courage and determination. And by the Abishta's, um chesed, they ultimately achieved victory. Now, Sir Winston didn't dwell on the gloom and the doom, and nor did he succumb and say, Oh no, what are we going to do now? Everybody put your hands in the sand. No. He didn't say, The enemy is winning. We don't have any chance. Let's get out of here. No. Instead, he realized that the gloomy situation did not have to be permanent. It could be changed if they would only try. He took a positive attitude and inspired his countrymen with an unrelenting drive for victory. Lahab de Lelifadolz, I mean, in, in the episode dealing with the Miraglim, when, uh, when they said, they're giants, they're going to kill us, we can't defeat them. You know, and, and Yeshua and Kalabim, um Funa said, look, they're our bread. We can defeat them. And as the Chofetz Chaim points out in, in the... In, in, in his safer on dealing with the Wishmir Salashan, one of the things he brings down, he said, would anybody be afraid of a giant loaf of bread? Come on, you walk out in, in your backyard or you're walking down Ocean Parkway and you see this 15-foot-tall loaf of uh, a rye, soft rye bread. It's just towering 15 feet above you. I mean, maybe you think it's, you know, uh, an ad for one of the local supermarkets, but you wouldn't go, Ah, it's a giant loaf of bread! Everybody run for your life! <laughs> right? I mean, you're not going to do that. Yeah, you probably get a couple of guys and say, Hey, whoa, let's get the thing here, and we'll, uh, we'll cut it up, make some loaves for everybody in the neighborhood, and get some pastrami, and um, we'll have a Rosh Chodesh party, whatever it is. But you're not going to say, Everybody run! It's a giant loaf of bread! So... When you look at things in, in the proper perspective, you have the right attitude. You're not gonna, you're not gonna give in. You're not gonna cave in, even if it is something that is a formidable challenge. When we view things as perhaps an inconvenience or an obstacle, we're, we're not going to be thwarted. If you make a mistake or you, you think you failed, say to yourself, "Gamze Yavar, this too will pass." Okay, 
I did. I didn't do what I what I wanted to do then, or what I needed to do then. Maybe I even oh, oh yes failed. But the failure is not here to stay. I can improve and enjoy a better future, and then boldly make plans for the for the future and put yourself on the path to success because that's what a Kaddish worker wants, and he'll clear the obstacles for you. When it says in Perkyos, a person should be bold as a leopard, right, light as an eagle. Right, and strong as a lion. Those aren't just uh, colorful, cute metaphors. It's meant to teach us that we have to learn from these creatures how to behave, how to get our act together so that we can do the best that we can in every situation, be the best we can. These aren't platitudes. They're not just merely metaphors. All right, come on board with me. 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. First five callers, I'm going to send you out, bleed at her, a copy of my... Uh, Soon to be released, all for the Boss for Kids audio book. The book that was published by Feldheim, and now we're going to be doing it as an audio book. It's already done, ready to get out there. It hasn't hit the bookstores yet. But you will get among the first copies just for calling in right now with anything on your mind, telling me um, something that you overcame through a positive attitude or something that you'd like to overcome and how we can make that attitude a little bit more positive. So get on board. Come on, pick up that phone, 718-683-5858. And yes, your pizza gelt is on the way. You'll let me know when you got it. But today we're going to be giving away five uh, audio CDs. It's uh, on MP3, and you'll enjoy it. Your kids will love it. Your grandchildren will love it. You'll enjoy it. If you like the book, and I'm sure you did, all for the boss, for kids, the Young Readers Edition, this is that book with sound effects and music. Narrated by yours truly, Parrots B, a.k.a. The Reb. So call me right now, 718-683-5858. Challenges that you've been through where you had a positive attitude, challenges that you're going through now where you think a positive attitude would help. You just don't know what that positive attitude should be. So let's talk about it. Come on, be brave, be bold. 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. All right, don't let the Yates of Horror keep you down either. When a person consistently exhibits, let's say, a... Uh, a negative meter, and doesn't perform misses properly. So what's the proper course of action? No, I didn't get up today. I got up late. That's what I'm sleeping all day. I'll never get up on time. No, forget it. Just try harder today. Go to Minka earlier. Make supper earlier. Say a couple of capital to him. The improper response is to rationalize the erroneous position or to become depressed, thinking that successful performance is impossible. No. Hello. All things are possible. Hi, you're on the line. This is Derek yes, hello. B. How are you? Okay, good. Um, could, I, could I start? Yes, go right ahead. Um, okay. So Hold on one challenge. Hold on one second. Yes, go ahead. Okay, my challenge is that um, it's a difficult challenge that I went through. It was almost 18 years ago. My husband died suddenly, and I had three little kids. And I was very upset when he died. I didn't have any warnings. And I said, how am I ever going to overcome this and how am I going to be able to cope? And I had three little kids to worry about. But now that 18 years later, I'm in such a better light that I did raise the kids all by myself. And I add so much simcha to other people. I go out there singing in public and I'm being the chazik other people. And I see that everything is, you know, in Hashem's hands. It's not, you know, why he died. But now I'm, the point is that I'm coping and overcoming so many things that I couldn't even think about years ago when it was so hard. But I'm seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. How did you manage to do that? I mean, what... I had a lot of... It was not easy because I had kids that, you know, had some health issues and then they had doc- 
you know, school issues, and I had a, I had a lot. It's not, it wasn't a simple. I had to take care of them, and my hands were full. And yes, I did. We had therapy. We had a lot to, you know, cope with. But, but in a different light. The point what I'm saying is that I'm such a different person than I was even 18 years ago. It's turning 18 years now. That's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. what was and people that? look up. People come to me. They look up to me. They want my chizuk and my bracha. They want me to daven for them, and I make everyone the sameach. And despite all my troubles, I don't sit there in the corner being upset, but I'm a happy person. It sounds like it, but what did you do to get yourself to that point? At the I, moment um, that you were going I, I don't know. It could be all the challenges that I've gone through made me uh, the person who I am today. It's, it's just so many challenges that I had to deal with. It's not like just raising them every day. I had a lot of things to cope with, and I did. I don't know how. But um, I guess Hashem was on my side and helped me through. I'm, I'm sure he did, and it sounds like it, and I'm sure yeah. your kids are the better for it today. Yes, and, uh, for all in a healthier sure light that... and a, a happier light. And, uh, yeah. Well, I want to thank you for, for sharing that. That's so, that's so meaningful in terms of the fact that you, you know, have a good attitude. It has to do with a lot of my attitude. I, you know, oh. I, I have a very good attitude. That's why people like me. I don't sit there crying in the corner. And they come to me because I'm the simple. They need they need me. So. so the fact that you had this positive attitude, you would say that that has a lot to do. I with think it's my attitude. positive attitude. I think that okay, here and there it's a little difficult, you know, before you know, before yard tech coming up, before youngsters. But in my positive attitude is what led me today. You know, I'd like to send you um, a copy of um, the uh, audio CD which I'm getting out, all for the boss. I, I think you're going to enjoy it. I think your I, kids. And do you have grandchildren yet? No, not they're, they're single. I have, still have single kids. All three single. Enjoy it, and you'll yeah. enjoy this. And uh, I we're do enjoy you your show. Also, I, I enjoy oh, listening you to it. Just that you can, if you have email, you can send me. I don't have email. Media email dot com. If I don't have email, so hello. Yes. I I don't have an email. Is it possible to to send to mail it to me? Um, we'll need to get your address, but I want you to do that off the air. I'm going to leave you a phone number. You just one minute. I need a phone number. I need to get a pen because then. One second. Okay, no problem. We'll get pen to you. This woman obviously went through a very difficult time, and as we can see, an attitude brought her through 18 years of a uh, very, very challenging time. She raised her kids by herself, and we can only say that we have all the respect in the world for somebody like that. Okay, did you find a pen or a pencil yet? I found the pen. <laughs> All right, here you go. Here's the number, 848 Eight four eight two two one four six zero five. 4605 4605 4605 4605 Just leave your name and an address where we can send this out to you, and uh, we're going to be really thrilled to get it to you. Let us know when you got it. 221-4605. 848-221-4605. Thank you so much. Hi, parents. Be with you. How are you? Thanks for joining me. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hi. Parents, be the Reb. Thanks for being You're on talking board. to me? I would certainly hope so. <laughs> okay, I don't know, because I was listening to the other lady when she was on it. Sounded All nice right, time. what can we do for you? I want to tell you, you saved my life today. See, you don't even know how um, it's happening even now that you saved my life. You know that? Um, I'm, you know, I, right. I would say I'm, I'm shocked. I'm happy no, no, this is serious stuff, because I went to a rabbit this past week to ask him if I had a head to protect my life. And I'm a right. sane guy. I'm on the radio. Millions of people listen to me, too, sometimes. You know that? Well, what have, well, first of all, 
let's just talk for a I'm second. I'm afraid I don't want to get in. Maybe the community knows me. It's a lot of things going on in my life, and it's not from... What was it that's your life at this moment? It's still, it's ongoing. I really can't say. Okay, but was it something that you heard Family today? crisis and everything else, you know. What was it that you heard today that made a difference for you? Well, you said certain things, just like when you're going down, so you, you get up again, you know. I mean, there's a reason why they put in the safe a whole halacha and Kitzah Shulchan Aruch, which is not some of the Kitzah, really. Kitzah Shulchan Aruch, call that time, uh, all halachas. And I learned that, too, and um, besides regular Shulchan Aruch, of course. And, uh, and I'm a chadish a lot of things, and the bottom line is that you said certain things. So I want to do, the only reason I call, because I don't know, maybe people will hear my voice that know who I am. So the thing is, I wanted you to know that you should understand the power that a person has from speaking, from speech, right, that we know anyway, and you are very good. So I just wanted to tell you that, and I wanted to let you know you might have an effect on people as you speak. See, I appreciate that. It's one of the reasons that I take That's the only reason I came forward. I really very private, and I really didn't want to call. But I, I wanted to tell you, because I wanted to empower you. This is the Emmis, you know, that I'm telling you. I heard certain things, and I was going into a rub before, and I just waited in the car till you finished certain things. And something clicked. When you said certain things, something clicked in my head. So I just wanted to tell you that you have to realize when you're on the radio or anywhere, that you have an effect on people. People, everybody has an effect. But when you're on a radio, even a local show like Jay Root, you have an effect on people that you don't even realize. Maybe you help somebody today. In a I'm going to take that as a as a mandate. No, I want you to understand that because it's based on a Gemara, really. But um, the Gemara says, the Gemara. I'll just tell you the Gemara. I, I put things. I uh, I'll just tell you. I sent over in a famous based magistrate around that Yaakov did show us the case. I proved that it was only a half a it's only a half amina. It's only a half amina that um, to be bikesh scholars of case and many other things. But the bottom line is, I want to explain to you. The Gemara says that if one, if you get up and you don't say good morning to you, Chava, you're a goslin, right? Right. Why? Because a person says good morning to that person, he empowers that person, he puts him in a good mood, he gives him good feelings, he makes him feel social, part of the world, based on the Gemara Kedushin. So in a certain sense, you're a goslin because that's what Hashem wants. Your role in the world is to send positive, um, give positive um, uh, thoughts, positive uh, you know, actions to other people. And if you don't do that, so you consider the goslin. I'm glad you shared that. Many to shut them on that, but I'm just trying to say, people don't realize the power they have. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that, and I take that. So that's why I called. Really Otherwise, I would never call. I mean, I, I might get it. some. I might get some slack for this, you know. Now, listen, listen to me. This is very, this is very important. Okay. Yeah. First of all, to think that anybody is going to go through a difficult situation and merely have some words totally turn their life around—that would be wonderful, and and it can make a difference for the beginning part of it, and to take you to the next step. But, and I'm just telling you this because it's something that I feel very responsible for, and would be negligent if I didn't. The person is thinking seriously about taking their own life. Um, that's something which a person definitely should get, not just a Rebbe's broker from, and not just the the sincere, well-intended, and qualified advice of a, of a talk show host, as, as skilled and as sincere as we might be, but it requires further professional help from somebody. To, I mean, look, sometimes medication can help get a person on course, but it requires really 
a, an intensive type of therapy which should not have a stigma to it. And I would urge you to do that because you sound like a reasonable person, you sound like a wonderful person, and you sound like somebody who's in touch with yourself. So don't let this be uh, an ending. Let it be a beginning. I want you to get yourself into, into a situation where you'll have a really, really good therapist. You know, somebody like Mordecai Weinberger is perfect for, for this, and I, would recommend, and I would really recommend him. I think you've got to get yourself in a situation where you'll be able to take all the good, wonderful thoughts, Makshavu's, feelings and and all the things. No, don't worry, Rabbi, I'm okay. I don't need no therapy. I'm a self-therapist type of guy. You know, when you're going down, that's when you get up, you know? All right. I'm just I'm just telling no, you. No, you don't know me. So I understand. For most people, you you are correct. I'm not from the average Joe. You know, I'm a father's Help you, listen, my friend, if we can help you in any way, I, the, so, that's my best I just advice. want to tell you for yourself just to keep up the good work. Just on, an, on another note, I had a Rosh Hashiva son from a famous yeshiva, a long the yeshiva, used to say he's a revolutionary for a conservative cause, the causeless Torah. So when you were speaking about rebel with, that, with the cause today, I was thinking about him. All right. Uh, I thank I you, for, you know. for joining us right here on j And this you should give physics, keep on giving physics for all the rest of Klai Yisrael. Amen. Hopefully you will as well. Okay. All right. Oh, parents be red. What's on your mind today? Hello? Yeah, hi. How are you? Hi, how are you? Um, I just wanted to ask... Uh, can I ask a question? What are you here for? Uh, oh, um, like, uh, I want to ask a question instead of, like, you know, instead of saying a story. Yeah, you're welcome. If, if the question is a question, we can answer. If it's an answer, I don't have any answers for you. No, the question is like this. Um, my Rebbe wants me to stay in base Medrash for an extra year, besides the year, one year base Medrash. Um, but, but I think... But but my parents are telling me that I should move on, you know, go go to college and and so on, and I'm kind of torn between these two. What, what what's the prop what's the proper path between a rock and a hard place? That's a very challenging situation to be in, and many people have been in that situation before. One is confronted with, I guess, no doubt, you know, your your obligation to respect your parents. On the other hand, you have a rebbe who wants to get right. you. And and a rebbe and a rebbe is like a, a parent because a rebbe gives you spiritual life. That's true. That's true. And your parents, I'm sure, would want you to do the right thing. So I would go back to I would go back to your rebbe and discuss with him. Tell him that you know your parents feel differently about this. How would he advise you to speak to your parents? Your parents obviously love you. You have a good relationship with your parents. Yeah. Because okay. my parents, they, they felt like, you know, they raised me and they want me to move on. They want to see me succeed, you know, like, to, they want the next generation to succeed so they can go, like, so they can be, like, happy, bring nachas to them, you know? How old are you? I am 19. Okay, when I was your age, I was almost 20, you know. <laughs> I went through the same challenge. Uh, I was a little bit older, actually, when I was in yeshiva, and uh, that was something that my parents hadn't anticipated that I was going to go right on into my career. So I spoke it over with, uh, with one of the Rebbeim who I knew liked me and had my interest at heart. It's very important that you know that nobody has any other agenda other than what's good for you. So you go back to your Rebbe and say, look, you know, I'm having a little bit of a, of a challenge. I'm having a difficult time. Now, do you think he's going to look out for what's good for you or, or only for him? My question is like this. For you, like, right? Okay. Yeah. He's going to be looking out for me. What? Your parents. My parents also looking out for me. No, I know, but does this Rebbe know your parents? Has he ever met them? 
Yeah, of course. They always they they, they didn't they didn't have a, like a formal discussion about this. But do they, they like they, him and respect him? Hmm? Do they like do they like him and respect him? They respect him. They respect him a lot. Okay. So I think at some point there should be a meeting of the minds. First of all, you have to be a little bit of a diplomat when see parents, and I mean. Maybe so. You know, see what you think about saying something like, "How would they feel if you said something?" You know, what do you, what do you, you call your parents? Abba, Ima, Mommy, Tati, Mom, Dad. Um, I know that you love me, and you know that I love you, um, and I know that you only want the right thing for me. So, would you be happy if I if I did something which I didn't really want to do, but only made you happy? How do you think they would react to that? Uh, they they want what's best for me. They they wouldn't they don't care which path I take, but they feel that they they want to see me succeed. No, that that brings the best nachas to them. They want to see me like go there, go out to life, get married, you know, and live life, you know. Okay, and why they feel and why do you and why do you think that they think another year in base measures should be a contradiction to that? Wouldn't that be setting the the foundation for getting married and being successful? I mean, a person can always go to work, right? And maybe right. that's something that you need to discuss with your Rebbe, that, you know, it's another year where you become smarter, better, and you're growing, and you have the opportunity. And then you can always, you know, think about college. You can always think about going to work. It's not like you're telling your parents, no, I definitely don't want to do that. You're saying, let's leave all options on the table. But I really yeah. feel, Mom, I really feel, Dad, that another year in base measures would give me that room to grow. And then let's talk about it. I want you to be happy, and I know that you want me to be happy. So if you do it in a way that it's coming from, from a place of love and a place of respect, that can break down all barriers. It can melt things. So go back to your Rebbe, have a talk with him, then I want you to call me back and let me know what the next, you know, what the next step is, okay, what the next step that you're going to take is. Right. And I, can, I can call this number, right? I think you should first have a talk with your Rebbe. I think you should be mm -hmm. open with your parents and tell them, you know, you want to think about it and that you love them and that you know that they have, you know, the best, the best in mind for you, you also want to be successful and give them Yiddish okay. And that's why you think maybe spending a year, another year in base management might be the best thing. You might be surprised at their, how their attitude might melt. Let me know. Call me back, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Hatzlacha and Bracha. We're out of time for today. Wish we could take more calls. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach me on my listen line, 848-221-4605, or reach me at eichlermedia at gmail.com. Um, for the woman who called, I want to thank her for sharing her thoughts with us. I hope you left your uh, contact information so we can send you that CD. And at any point, you can always reach me at 848-221-4605 for anything that's on your mind. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. Remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now go and learn. <laughs>